0: This week's episode of the Life Group Leader Podcast. Hey, Life Group Leaders, we are your hosts, Hayden and Evan. Hello. And we love you guys. And we want you to know that the mission doesn't change. That Compass Bible Church exists to make disciples of Jesus Christ by reaching people for Christ, teaching people to be like Christ, and training people to serve Christ. And everything we do here at Compass, including this podcast for you, is to help fulfill the mission of reaching, teaching and training. Pastor Evan, we're not in a series today. This is a standalone message because we were able to celebrate baptisms, but we did preach a sermon called Lost and Found from Luke 15, 8 through 10. Would you read that for us?
1: I'll make it up for the 11 a.m. service I missed. <laughs> or what woman, having 10 silver coins, if she loses one, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? And when she has found it, She calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I found the coin that I had lost. Just so, I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Mm. Good word. All right, well, Pastor Hayden, in your sermon or, you know, What did you call it? Sermonette. 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 Yeah. You know, what was the main focus and point? We didn't have a slide, so... Yeah, no, we had one. I just didn't say it. Well, yeah, because you Uh, had to go so fast. You had 15 minutes. Yeah, I think we made the point. But the point is,
0: if we are going to be Jesus-minded people, we must undertake the hard work of going after lost souls and
1: genuinely celebrating when God saves them. All right. Well, you have three teaching points. Point number one, increase your love for the lost. Point number two, get your hands dirty. And point number three, celebrate salvation. Well I have a handful of questions I like to kind of uh discuss so you can yeah. elaborate a little bit more. Yeah, but you had a lot of sermon notes you weren't able to get to in fifteen minutes. Of course. That's like two that's like two thirds less of your normal preaching Man. time.
0: That's a lot. Imagine how much you can get done when you have to.
1: There you go. All right. Point number one, increase your love for the lost. Uh what were the three things? Is it kind of the sermon application you had to kind yeah. of fly through? It was like refrain, remember, recall. But what were those three?
0: yeah refrain and remembering and recalling is the way that it's not the only way and it may not even be in so many ways the way that actually gets you to act out these the the love that you have, but it'll help you start increasing the the love that you have for the loss when you refrain from seeing lost people as expendable and you know and I think the reformed camp really can can be at uh uh, at an increased risk of this, right? Because we, you know, God has elected those to whom He's called the salvation, and all of the rest of them are are uh, are, are going to go to hell. I mean, right? Which, which is right? That's election, right? I mean, that's the fact that God has elected people uh, to salvation, which means that there's going to be a whole other group of people, even and maybe if you're if you believe in double predestination, you'll say, well, the other group is elected for, for hell.
1: Reprobation.
0: And, you know, you're going to have a much greater uh, risk of seeing lost people as expendable. Well, God didn't, God didn't choose to save them. But, it's, but the problem that you're going to run into, if you believe that, is the, the Bible doesn't teach that way. Jesus doesn't act that way. Uh, the, the apostles did not did not situate their ministries that way. Uh, you, you can believe in a, an election. I think that's a very biblical uh, view. I in think scripture. it's biblically correct. Yeah, I think it's a very biblical view. But if your view of election uh, also includes
1: that you see lost people as expendable, you don't have a biblical view of election. Well, because as you've been kind of, whoa, sorry about that. Uh, as you've been talking through, it's a worldview perspective. So what kind of worldview do you need to have to sit there where, yes, you believe the the biblical truth of, you know, Unconditional election that God mm-hmm. is the one who elects the sinner to be saved. Right. But what kind of worldview do you need to have that you believe that, but then are like, hey, it's, you know, just they're, you know, it's their cannon fodder for God's wrath? Yeah. I mean, you want to know, uh, interest, you got to have a biblical worldview
0: if you want to, if you want to not think about it th- that way. Uh, but you know, it's funny because that's like a naturalistic worldview, right? Uh, that you're just, uh, that you're not, that you're not, uh, uh, not the word worthy, but you're not valuable, right? That the that oh, there are just a, a group of people who are damned to hell who are invaluable. It's like, but that's not the way that God defines the person. The person made in the image of God is is of value because they bear the image of God. It's not God's will that any. Uh, would perish, but that all find eternal life. Now, it's true, though, that uh, we we have a couple of different wills, right? The decreed will and the, uh, what is the other will that you would help, especially from a Calvinistic point of view? Life group leaders, this is for you, of course, uh, to to learn. Uh, There's God's decreed will, and then there's God's uh, uh, preferred will. There's a better word for it. But it's like there's things that God desires, like that. God desires that none shall perish, right? That is God's that is, that is God's uh, desired will, right? That God has a desire that none shall perish, but he has a decreed will, right? And that decreed will uh, is that which God has said this is going to be what happens. Well, because God has to give absolute justice, there will be many people who perish but that isn't his desire. But that is his decreed will. So you see how you have different. You have two different kinds of wills. Like God has a a will that says I, I will that none would perish. But He also has
1: a decreed will. He's going to say His desires and His decree. He knows yeah. that some will be well. He knows which will be saved and which will be not. But it's not just in Second Peter three nine or in First Timothy where He says I desire all people to be saved. It's also in Ezekiel uh, thirty three and twenty three and eighteen. Where he talks about. I Do I rejoice at the death of the wicked? He's I like, no, not. I'd rather actually have them repent and be right. saved. And right. so there's a disposition that God has to go, I will be just. It'll be good. And In some sense, there will be a rejoicing of the destruction of the wicked. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't rejoice in it because that's his image bearer right. that rebelled against him. Okay. But, okay, right, which circles around to the next question then. Did
0: I say refrain, remember, and recall? I didn't talk about that.
1: Oh, too remember and recall. Refrain,
0: remember, and recall. We need to— uh, What do we need to remember? Remember that such were some of you. Like, you've got to recognize you, too, were the sinner that needed uh, the grace of God— that somehow somebody had enough love for the lost to tell you the truth about the gospel. So you need to remember. You want to increase your love for the lost. It's good to remember that you were lost and someone loved you enough to talk about the gospel. And then finally, you need to recall that Jesus died for you while you were while you were still a sinner. Right? That that's that's key, isn't it? That Jesus didn't love you after you were. Uh, made right, that the the love that Jesus—maybe uh, that I say it better this way—Jesus uh, died for you not after you were made right, but that you would be made righteous. Uh, and he didn't affirm your sin. He told you the truth in love. I mean, that's what we need to—recall that, and we need to do the same. That's, what, that's your three R's.
1: There you go. And I think those are a helpful reminder just because of the what kind of worldview. Well, the biblical worldview says that. We'll recall that Jesus died for us as a sinner. That's Romans chapter Mm 5. For what reason? So that God can exalt himself by saving his enemy and making them a child. Mm -hmm. And then remembering as some were such such of you. And to remember in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 11, there's a list of sins that will not inherit the kingdom of God but that's where you got the phrase in verse eleven. But uh, as were some of you, but you are washed and sanctified and justified in the name of Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. And so, with that worldview, and how can that worldview then, you know, combat the uh, from us being in danger of becoming the grumbling Pharisees, as you talked about?
0: Uh, well, as far as worldview, I don't mm-hmm. know what, what what worldview would be coming from other than a biblical worldview here, uh, but. you know, you're going to think about a grumbling Pharisee Well, they obviously don't have a a, they don't value uh, people being made in the image of God and they don't value God's valuation of people like, yes, are there people who's going to go to hell? Of course, right? We know that, but if that's like if that's your go-to for saying you're not going to reach out to lost people I mean, there's your problem, right? Well, they're going to hell, so I'm not going to talk to them The problem is you don't have that worldview towards anybody that you actually love you never go to your lost child and say, well, you're going to hell, so I'm not going to share the gospel with you. No, you actually love that person, and you're going to actually preach the gospel to that person. So it's like, you may use this as an excuse, but but in the reality, you know that those who you really love, you're going to tell the truth to. And so therefore, we ought to love and grow our love for the lost, then we would tell everybody the truth. And then leave, leave the saving up to God, right? I mean, that's, at the end of the day, like, uh, I've heard it this way. Uh, like, I'm in sales, he's in management, right? I mean, it's like all I'm doing is going out and saying, here's the gospel. Respond to it. God's in management. God's going to say, okay, I, I've called that person to salvation. He's going to bring him to himself. I'm just called to go out and, you know, w- get my hands dirty.
1: Which I think one of the baptisms was the great illustration of Matt Jameson. Yeah. It was his wife having a greater love for her husband to ask the tough question right. to him, saying, hey, are you, do you think you're really a Christian? Right. And, and we th- should
0: have that attitude towards all people that we have influence with.
1: Yeah, I think that was great. That was
0: a great testimony.
1: And even how like David Thomason had that love for Javier who got baptized. Yeah, right. A complete stranger, doesn't know who this person is. And for yeah. three years walked with this person until yeah. god finally called him to salvation yeah. and so essentially what these people amanda and dave thomason did they got their hands dirty so you know, what were the three things that we can do to search diligently for the lost? you talked about this yeah. in your sermon
0: uh yeah you need to have the right tools right if you're gonna get your hands dirty you need to have the right tools you don't just want to be playing in the mud you're gonna be working in the mud you know and you're gonna need the right tools and that's the bible and that's why we try to talk about worldview here i think having PM in here last week was great, talking about worldview, and we're going to start trying to help you guys with worldview a little more. Uh, James Sire's book is a great uh, book, uh, The Universe Next Door, his other books that help you understand worldview. But you know, when you talk about worldview, we have a biblical worldview. So what's the right tool? The Bible. The Bible. But it's the Bible. It's not uh, man's best thoughts about God. It's not, uh, you know, the, f- the fourfold path, or, you know, it's like we have the right tool. It's not uh, secular psychology's best thoughts about how to be happy. It's the Bible is our tool that we're going to use to get our hands dirty in the lives of people.
1: And something that I, I want to, you know, kind of let you into our counseling rooms. The thing, yeah. the reason why we use the Bible is because. When we're sitting with the counselee, we, we don't know if this person's really right with God outside of what the Bible says about where people stand before God. Right. A non-Christian's going to look like this, and a Christian's going to look like this. And why the Bible? Well, Hebrews 4.12 is you know the answer. For the word of God is sharp, living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and, and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. There's no creature hidden from its sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. And so that's why we use God's word because it pierces to the heart something I don't see. Pastor Hayden doesn't see, but only God sees. And that's why he gives us his special revealed will and his revealed word to us so that we can use it to help people see where they stand before God. Hmm. more comments on point number two?
0: Yeah. Uh, did I do my three?
1: Oh, he did not do it. Sorry, you're,
0: you're always killing me on here. Okay, now light a lamp. So use the, the use the Bible. Pinpoint a location, right? An area of influence. You're going to sweep the area. What area? You know, that's a good question, isn't it? What area am I going to sweep? I need to know. Hey, is is there a big need in my family? Well, I need to start being diligent in that area, using the Bible to help my family understand their need for Christ. School, I yeah, work. I mean, you you can go on for there, but you need to understand where where is God calling me in this time in my life to. Uh, To sweep what area and then seeking and finding is starting investing i said it at the 11 but not the nine but you guys you leaders know it because i've talked to you about this in your life group leader meeting ice right invite connect and invest uh uh what that's not true at all invite connect and engage i'm like invest i that's icky (laughs) like what's icky invite connect and engage uh you know that that's another way to think about this. You need to invite people to church. You need to invite people to hear the gospel. Connect with them. Don't just leave them hanging out in the lobby and engage with them. Find a time to sit down with them to talk through. Uh, but that's how you invest, right? That's how you would invest in people. Uh, but yeah, those those are three. Those are the three for point number two.
1: All right, then point number three was to celebrate salvation. Well, you kind of mentioned this at least in the nine, but what can we do practically to celebrate maybe as life group leaders the salvation of lost sinners, especially maybe those who were just baptized? Yeah, I have three S's
0: here. I just didn't get to them uh, that I could talk to you guys about. You know, how do we, how do we celebrate salvation? We, we know it. We know. It. Oh, oh. We unplugged. You're doing good. We're back. All right. Unplugged. Here we are. Uh, there's the three S's that that are going to be really helpful for us to know. Because the Bible says, right, I tell you there's joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Uh, The parable right above that, the lost sheep, says about the same thing, that there's there's rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents. Uh, We understand, okay, there's joy in heaven. They celebrate. Okay, so for us, how can we break that down practically? I give you three S's. Share stories of salvation. That's why I love the way that, Uh, That we do baptisms because it's God's built-in system for celebrating salvation. Baptisms help us get people in the water to share their story of salvation, and we get to celebrate that. That's just one really good step you can put into uh, a healthy church. Share stories of salvation. You've got to get the word out of how God's saving people. Uh, Number two was shape your community around evangelistic celebrations. Shape your community around evangelistic celebrations. And that's when I said to you guys, there should be a party in every life group this week that had someone get baptized. You know, because at the end of the day, if heaven's celebrating, we need to be celebrating, you know. If baptisms tell us that someone got saved, then we need to be celebrating in our community. So your community should be shaped around evangelistic celebrations. I mean, think about that. I mean, what are ways that we can shape our community around evangelistic celebrations? It's like when someone gets saved. I mean, you have a birthday cake for somebody who just lives on the earth another year. <laughs> it's like, hey, I existed for another three hundred. You survived, years. You congratulations. And here's a cake. You know? It's gonna kill you faster. You know, how, how much bigger deal is uh, somebody getting saved? Have a cake, amen? You know, have some cake. Do something. I mean, just do some things that say, hey, we we know this is a big deal. And that's your final S there, is show others how God values salvation. Do you believe that God values salvation? Show others the same way, like, how do you show people that you value anything? By focusing on it. By celebrating it. I mean, if, if you know, my anniversary is coming up in uh, just a few weeks, and it's like, you know what? How would I show my wife that I value our marriage? Celebrating our anniversary. Making sure that there's something there that we are, that I'm going to take some time, and I'm going to take some care, and some I'm going to take some... Money. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something Then I'm going to show her how I value our marriage. And it's the same thing. Like, what are we going to do to show others how God values salvation? If God values it, I'm going to show people, hey, this is a big deal. And I'm the world's worst. You know, I'm like, are you saved? We're saved. Did you turn from your sin and place your trust in Christ? Yep. Amen. All right. Where's my next meeting? At? We got to do it. You know, it's like, oh, no, 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 no. Stop. God, I mean, heaven is rejoicing right now. We need to rejoice right now.
1: That's right. Were there any cross-references, Pastor Hayden, that uh, um, could help us you know, cultivate a heart that rejoices at the salvation of the lost or any other part of your sermon that you think would be a benefit as life group leaders to have to encourage our life groups to either celebrate or to per- get our hands dirty?
0: Yeah, uh, I mean, I think those, some of the reference I gave you for uh, the your application questions are going to be helpful, but something I didn't say, uh, that you need to, to recognize this, that you become what you celebrate. You become what you celebrate. As a, as a church, we will become what we celebrate. Do you, what do you celebrate? Like that's 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 what you will be known for. That's what you will revolve your stuff around. And and if we you know if we se- what I mean what do we celebrate? And you give us something. If I celebrate, if I celebrate, you know just the the most the nicest music. Well, that's what people. That's what we're going to focus on, and that's what pe- that's why people would come here. Uh, you know, because that's what we celebrate. Ah, I love that we have good music. I love that we have good music. I love that we have good music. Well, we're going to celebrate that. Oh, you have the best music here. You should come hear it. It's like you become that. Like, oh, oh, that church is known for their music. It's like, okay, we celebrate salvations. Our church becomes known for the salvation of God in the lives of people. We celebrate it, and people say, that place, you can go there. People get saved. They celebrate that. They talk about it all the time. They're all about the salvation of souls. It's like there it is. You know, that, that's something that I didn't say that I talked a little bit about it, but I think but, it'd be helpful for us. You become what you celebrate.
1: Any other final things on your, your sermon notes that you weren't able to get to that would be a benefit for us as life group leaders to kind of guide our life groups because we you know we want to make sure that our life groups that we're encouraging people to get our hands dirty, to reach the lost, to not become a curmudgeon Pharisee because our worldview is wrong instead of, you know, see what the Bible says, see how God cares about the lost. Actually, it's one of my favorite things you said in the sermon is right in the top saying, God cares about his lost stuff. Yeah. Right. And, you know, how can we get our life groups to care about their lost, the God's lost? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: I think there's a good, good question. It's something we need to answer in life group. I, you know, with our time that we're given, I think, that'd be helpful for them to to, to, us to go there and to say, hey, w- jump into your application questions. There's a lot of good ones here they are going to help us start thinking about the way that we love the loss, the way that we are actually showing that through what we do and don't do. Uh, and then it helps us get into the nuts and bolts of saying, well, what are we going to do now? And how are we going to celebrate? How are we going to get our hands dirty? Uh, really looking forward to our life groups this week.
1: All right. Well, Pastor Hayden, is there any... Uh you know, trainings that we should be doing right now? Yeah,
0: you, we have
1: given you guys a training to do this uh, last month, so you should be
0: hopefully done with it. You have seven more days to complete it. Uh, it's your spans of care uh, training. Uh, if you have not finished that, I want to encourage you to make sure you get that done for the next seven days so we can jump into our next training face-to-face next month. All
1: right. Well, Pastor Hayden, what announcements do we have as a church
0: we have uh, quite a bit. Uh, summer kids camps are coming up, VBS, art camp, and science camp. You can need to make sure that people in your life group know about that, which I know you guys are doing a good job for that. Our student revival summer D-NOW is now posted. You need to save the date uh, on July 27th through Sunday, July 30th. The registration is coming soon for that. but We want you to save the date. We want to get the word out for our student D-NOW that week. Uh, yeah, wow. That's is that it. And prayer night on the thirtieth. That's right. Prayer night on the thirtieth, from five to six thirty. And yeah, life group leaders are grateful for you. You guys have been pushing real hard over the last few weeks, and I just want to personally say uh, thank you. Not because you're doing this for me, but because you are you're keeping the first things first, you're keeping the main thing the main thing, and you're here to make disciples, and God is doing that. As we speak. And I just want to give you guys encouragement for that, just as Paul gave encouragement to the Thessalonians to continue doing so more and more. We'll see you guys next week.